And welcome in, everybody, to a brand new edition of the Nation's College Basketball Show and Podcast. It is college basketball, coast to coast. I am your somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. I'm going to enlist the help of a couple of guests to help break down the college basketball action midweek and head towards the weekend in the preview mode. Straight ahead, Roxy Bernstein will be here. Love his insight in particular on West Coast basketball. Pac-12 coverage, Roxy worked the Arizona State upset of Arizona back last Saturday night uh, in Tempe. Top 25 Arizona rolled in, having beaten Arizona State's brains in in the first matchup in Tucson, and Arizona State paid them back with an upset win. Roxy was on the call on the Pac-12 network with the Bill Walton. It's horrible. Arizona's play was terrible. Uh, that's exactly what happened on uh, on Saturday. Roxy also worked the cow, slug it out, low scoring, uh, basically slap fight between they and Stanford, a 52-50 win. So we'll talk to him a little bit in the recap mode about those games, but we're looking ahead to a midweek Pac-12 game. Speaking of ASU, they're at Washington State at Wazoo midweek. Roxy working the game for ESPNU's coverage. And then he's also on the call of Oregon and Stanford uh, this weekend on the Pac-12 network. So some West Coast, no East Coast bias here, some West Coast basketball talk will lead us off on the program. And then Mark Wise will be back with me. Love the insight of my analyst who's been with me for years here on our coverage on TuneIn, previously Fox Sports Radio, Sirius XM. Love Mark's insight. He's working SEC midweek at, oh, by the way, Rupp Arena. Hello. Uh, in Lexington, Kentucky. Kentucky uh, against Vanderbilt midweek on Mark's slate of games. And then he's working American Conference uh, against uh, UCF and USF in Tampa. Central Florida, South Florida. University of Central Florida, University of South Florida. By the way, Roxy's going to weigh in first about is the real USF in Tampa or in San Francisco, the University of San Francisco. But anyway, Mark is working uh, the latest installment of what's known as the War on I-4, Interstate 4, that's separates Orlando and Tampa by about 70 miles. So the uh, the World on I-4 resumes. He's got insight on the other American matchups, including Houston and Cincinnati playing on the weekend. Uh, he worked Wichita State recently. What is wrong with my Memphis Tigers? Uh, so anyway, Mark's going to talk some uh, some uh, American Conference hoops with us as well. So we're anxious to talk with him about all of those things um, as it all unfolds here on the podcast. All right, so much to get to and cover. Why don't I start with Memphis? I am a proud alum uh, of the former Memphis State University, the University of Memphis. Penny Hardaway back coaching the team. They are talented. I know James Wiseman not being there, the seven-foot phenom that may very well end up being the number one pick in the NBA draft coming later this summer. Uh, Wiseman ruled ineligible and then eventually just said, you know what, deuces, I'm packing my bag here and I'm leaving Memphis and I'm going to get ready to go to the NBA. I'm not sitting out nine games, 12 games, I'm done. I was going to play one season, I'm done. So I understand Memphis would be different with Wiseman in there. He's a tremendous scoring, big guy, uh, long, athletic, has a decent shot as well. I understand the Tigers are not the same thing, but you still got you've got two or three players, uh, a couple little guards, Lomax, one of the one of the uh, distributors, the point guards, DJ Jeffries, a couple of other players, and, and there's no excuse for Memphis uh, that had so much hype around them uh, to be blowing a double digit lead to SMU like they did last Saturday at home. Let SMU score the final 15 points of the game to beat them, and that came on the heels of USF with a dub. I'm sorry, with Memphis with a dubious record against Tulsa. 
Uh, they play Tulsa at Tulsa with, with Memphis ranked in the top 25 and Tulsa unranked. And an unranked Tulsa team beat Memphis by 40 points. 4-0. Not 4 points, not 10 points. That is the largest margin of victory in over 30 years of college basketball for a ranked team against an unranked team for the unranked team to win by 40. What's going on with Penny Hardaway getting his team ready to play at beginning of game? Speaking of USF, they came to Tampa and played USF two, three weeks ago, and it was the same thing. They were not ready to go in the first half. They were behind by double digits in Tampa, lucky to come back and win that game. You look at the periods where they go through lulls, the beginning of the second half of their Wichita State game, Wichita State blew them out in Kansas in the first five minutes of the second half. And Penny Hardaway stands there a lot of the time looking like he doesn't know which end is up, how to X and O it, out of the timeout, what do we do? How do we defend? Where's the aggressiveness? How do we light the fuse? Yes, I'm banging on my Memphis Tigers because they should be better than what they are right now. And there are serious question marks about whether or not Penny Hardaway has the chops with the X's and O's in motivating his team to be as good as what they should be. And in the American Conference, they should be one of the top two or three teams, if not the top team. Right now, they ain't looking like that. Uh, That's for sure. You know who's looking good is the Big 12 coming off of last week with several huge wins, including Baylor going to Florida in Gainesville and pulling away for a double-digit win last week. Uh, And Texas Tech let one get away. We'll talk about this with Mark Wise in just a little bit here on the podcast. Texas Tech had every chance to knock off Kentucky in what would have been a huge win at home. But give the Wildcats credit to get that game into overtime. And what is this? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. On the sheet here, what is this about Kentucky making all of their free throws? What were they, 7 of 7 or 9 of 9 or 11 of 11, something like that in the overtime in Lubbock? A John Calipari coach team making all of their foul shots, whether he's been at Kentucky or Memphis or UMass, they never could make free throws. But now they made some the other night, uh, and we'll talk more with Mark about that win. And, and again, there were some other interesting games. LSU and uh, and Texas went down to the, to the wire. LSU survived in that one. West Virginia got an easy win in the, uh, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Um, over Missouri. So there were other close games. Oklahoma nipped Mississippi State by one. So the Big the Big 12 did show up with some uh, quality wins, including Kansas beating Tennessee coming off the weekend last weekend. All right, so we have much to discuss. Let me set the table again for the midweek schedule and the games that we're obviously going to pay the most attention to, uh, particularly out of the top 25 as things unfold for Tuesday night and beyond. Uh, again, the the biggest ones, Villanova-St. John's coming Tuesday night. Depending on when you're hearing us, you may already know the result. Villanova right now leading the Big East, or actually second in the Big East right behind Seton Hall. Villanova 6-1 and one, playing at the Johnnies at the Garden Tuesday night. We'll see how that one comes out. Florida State, a quick rematch with Virginia. They beat the Cavaliers back about 10 days ago at home. Low-scoring uh, slugfest game in the 50s. Uh, Florida State now traveling to Charlottesville on Tuesday night in the ACC with Virginia listing like a ship. I'll use that word. Five and four right now in conference play. So that one to keep an eye on on Tuesday night. few more to keep an eye on as the night unfolds. Pitt is at Duke. Uh, on Tuesday night in the ACC, uh, Duke at 6-2 and two, uh, in conference play, already dropping a game to Louisville at home 
uh, in, in ACC play. Now they will take on Pitt. That is a student against the master with Jeff Capel against Coach K. Butler at Georgetown on Tuesday night as well. And also Tuesday night, um, Auburn at Ole Miss in the top 25, where Auburn got a couple of bounce-back wins. They won in one of those uh, SEC Big 12 Challenge games in their last contest over the weekend on Saturday. Uh, Give credit to the Auburn Tigers uh, for being able to get that win and, uh, and, and did a nice job. Did Bruce Pearl's team, after back-to-back losses to Alabama and to Florida, of beating Iowa State on the weekend? They bounced back with wins over South Carolina and Iowa State at home. Now they will play at Ole Miss coming up uh, in this one. All right, so then we move to the Wednesday night action while we set the table here with all of the different activity and all of the different games. Mark's going to be talking about the Kentucky-Vanderbilt game that he's working. Our other guest, Roxy Bernstein, will be up first. He's working Pac-12, non-top 25 game with Arizona State and Wazoo, but in the um, in the top 25 action, Houston, East Carolina in the American Conference. Mark will say some things about Alabama, LSU. LSU in the top 25 uh, hosting uh, an Alabama team that desperately needs some good wins uh, here on the road. Uh, also in some of the other action, West Virginia, Texas Tech. That should be a good one in Lubbock. Again, Texas Tech off the tough defeat in overtime against Kentucky, but they already have a couple of quality wins earlier in the year, including uh, beating Baylor earlier in the season in Lubbock. Now they'll play West Virginia uh, coming up in that Wednesday night game. Also on Wednesday night, uh, Oklahoma, Kansas State in the Big 12, Indiana, Penn State in the Big 10. Uh, Baylor, the top team in the country, is at Iowa State, and unbeaten San Diego State is at New Mexico as well. Top 10 Louisville at Boston College. Again, we do our best to cover everything coast-to-coast here, so keep an eye on all of those games, including San Diego State still unbeaten at 21-0, playing a New Mexico team at the pit that's 6-4 in the Mountain West Conference. Let's see if if, uh, New Mexico can give them a game or not. All right, so that sets the table for the program. As we get ready to roll here with a couple of interviews, it is college basketball coast-to-coast. Roxy Bernstein is going to be up first talking West Coast basketball. Mark Wise in a little bit. Let's get rolling talking the college hoop some more. It has been far too long since I've gotten the opportunity to talk to this man and get him on any of the college basketball stuff that I have. But love the insight of one Roxy Bernstein. Uh, He and I go back to the days of him doing Cal Bears on the radio, me doing USF Bulls out of Tampa on the radio, although Roxy has a great idea. First of all, good to have you. A happy 2020, happy Pac-12 season where you're calling some fantastic games we're going to get to. Good to have you, Roxy. TJ, always a pleasure, my friend. Always a pleasure to catch up. (laughs) You joked with me that, hey, USF means something entirely different on the West Coast. It means San Francisco, like as in Bill Russell's school, uh, the green and gold there. USF uh, on the uh, Florida Peninsula means Bulls, means West Coast of Florida, where I live. You have a suggestion about how we should settle who gets to call themselves USF annually? Yeah, this is – okay – and there's the consternation about both sides, and it's frustration, I think, at least from San Francisco's perspective. i got to imagine it's the same for South Florida, that, okay, well, there's the other school, and they want to be USF. No, we're USF. So why not, opening night every year, Corey Williams and I were getting ready to call the opener for West Coast Conference play when the San Francisco USF was playing St. Mary's, 
And we started rattling off all these schools that kind of have that same designation. So what if on opening night of the season, they played each other for the right for that season to be called with that designation? <laughs> so let's say San Francisco, we can do a neutral site, we can, and we can figure this thing out and make for television event. But let's say San Francisco wins for that season, they're USF, and, you, and the other USF, the one in Tampa, has to be called South Florida. Right. Or vice versa. Or San Francisco's got to go by San Francisco. And yeah. so I'm taking this a step further that we do it with, like, the boxing or the pro wrestling-style championship belt that says USF with green and gold, <laughs> and we give that, you know, to the, the winning coach and team to hold the belt up. I'm, I'm all about this, these creative ideas but, on how we settle it. For the season, right? Yeah. This is what you're known as for the entire year. Make, make it with the belt and all of this. So my point, anyway, is that Roxy and I have been around uh, doing these games and been around each other for a while. He still takes my call, as I like to joke, still takes my text message, said, yes, I'm busy. You know, uh, I, I love this. Hey, I have time to maybe do this for a few minutes, but I got to be with uh, 49ers uh, great and Super Bowl winner Roger Craig later today. You're taking a backseat to Roger Craig. I will great. I will gladly take a backseat, as I should, to Roger Craig and that interview later on today. You're a busy man, is my point. I understand. Well, it certainly beats the alternative, doesn't it? Yeah, very true. Very true. All right, so uh, you you had anything but dull, boring basketball in your last two uh, outings. A Pac-12 game with the Bill Walton that saw the Arizona State Sun Devils ASU, while we talk USF, ASU come roaring from behind at home to upset top 25 Arizona. You worked the game with Walton. You lived to tell about it. And it was a great game, a great finish, and Arizona State pulled the upset. Roxy, back on the weekend in Pac-12 play. Give me a quick thought or two about it. Well, it was a surprising result considering, TJ, Arizona jumped out to a big lead, and the Wildcats were up by as many as 22 points in the first half. And then ASU went on a little bit of a run. The Sun Devils got it to 13 at halftime, and Remy Martin ignited them. And they had a spurt to start the second half, but all of a sudden we got a game, and it has to be a really frustrating, crushing loss for Arizona, considering you're on the road, yes, but you're up 22 on your arch rival, and you let it slip away. And that was a much-needed win for Bobby Hurley's Sun Devils, and right now they're trying to play themselves back into the conversation as far as the NCAA tournament goes. And they have a pivotal week coming up. They're playing Washington State tomorrow night. Uh, they're in Seattle against the Huskies over the weekend, but... It was a much-needed win for them. And the Pac-12 the last week, TJ, no lead has been safe. You look at Stanford was up 20, leading by as many as 21 in the second half against USC a week ago Saturday, yep. losing at the Galen Center. Oregon a week ago Saturday in Seattle against Washington, trailed by as many as 16 before they came back to win that one in overtime. And then Stanford deploying another double-digit second-half lead on Saturday, or Sunday, rather, to Cal when they were up 11 in the second half and, and led Cal back into the game, and Cal found a way to win it. So I guess right now, no big lead is safe in the Conference of Champions. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. And that uh, that Cal-Stanford finish was one of several games we've seen, at least three of them, Florida-LSU, uh, was another one on the last second shot that was not good before the buzzer. Your game, uh, it looked like Stanford had tied it on a driving layup, 
but they go to the review, and rightfully so, to make absolutely sure, and it was clear even from the, the live replay angle that he did not get it out of his hand. They slowed it down frame by frame, so Cal hangs on and survives. Uh, 52 to 50 in that one. By the way, for the audience, I always love asking these questions. Give me, give me the atmosphere. What was it like in Tempe? What was it like for that big rivalry in Berkeley the next night there for those Pac-12 showdowns? What about it? Rivalry games are the best, as you know. The electricity in the building, the energy, it's phenomenal. Arizona State was sold out. Uh, Cal, they had about 10,000 on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, it, it was two terrific atmospheres. And the Cal football team showed up at the game on Sunday, and they had the axe with them, you know, the trophy uh, <laughs> for winning the big game in football for knocking off Stanford, just to kind of rub their, the cardinal nose in it. But, you know, ever since Bobby Hurley got to the desert, he has cultivated this excitement around Arizona State basketball. And he's got fun teams to watch. They play hard. And they've responded to him. And certainly when Arizona's in town, yes, uh, the fans respond. But normally, a lot of times, TJ, in that rivalry between U of A and ASU, there is a good percentage of Arizona fans in the building where it's maybe almost like a 60-40, 70-30 split with Arizona State, the home team, having a higher percentage. This year, it was about 90-10. Arizona State, which is something that I don't remember seeing for that rivalry. And I think it bodes very well for Bobby Hurley and his program. There you go. And by the way, uh, we love talking with Roxy Bernstein. He's with me for the College Basketball Coast to Coast podcast uh, for just a few more moments because he's busy. He's shuffling around. He is headed uh, to the Washington State-Arizona Wednesday night game, depending on when you're hearing us. Roxy broadcasting that game on ESPN's platform on ESPNU. ASU at Wazoo in the Palouse. And now we find out something about Arizona State on the road, obviously, as they play Washington State midweek, play at Seattle at Washington on the weekend. And Washington State had a chance to go uh, kind of validate themselves on the road and flunked in both games last weekend. Now they come back home. That's kind of the backdrop for the Wednesday night game, depending on when they're hearing us midweek here. Yeah, and... For Washington State, they've been a tough out at home. If you look at them, they've knocked off Oregon. They beat UCLA in Pullman. And they had a tremendous atmosphere uh, when they finished off the sweep of the Oregon schools, when they beat Oregon State a couple of weeks ago, when they retired Clay Thompson's number one. And it was the biggest crowd they've had in years in Pullman. And Kyle Smith is, is bringing some energy back, uh, some much-needed energy into the Washington State basketball program. Uh you know, he comes up his first year from this USF, not the South Florida USF. <laughs> right. And he's dealing with some injuries and has his dirtball style, which he adopted when he was coaching at Columbia. Uh, and I, I think it, he's really catching some of this league off guard with some of the things that he can do when he's creative. And it's uh, I, the, the Pac-12 is a league that is much better than it was a year ago top to bottom and last year only three teams got in i'd be shocked if there were less than five that got in this year with arizona state trying to become maybe a six team to put pressure on the committee but west coast basketball in general tj it's better this year and the bottom of the pac-12 is better than it was a year ago which makes it for a more competitive a tougher league and i think it really sets up nicely for the next few years the way the conference is reloading with some talent and it's 
it's a much needed boost, I think, for the Pac-12 when you have the league as, as much better than it was a year ago. Well, and you look uh, between Arizona and Colorado and Oregon and Stanford, you've got four teams in the top 20 of the net, to your point. Washington is tied for last at the moment at 2-6, and six, but they're 45 in the net. So they obviously have played a strong schedule. They have a Quadrant 1 win, a couple of Quadrant 2 wins. So we'll see how that part plays out. Just a couple of minutes left. Roxy Bernstein, you find him at Roxy Bernstein on Twitter, working ESPN uh, coverage of college basketball midweek. Uh, for Arizona State, Washington State, working Pac-12 Network, Oregon and Stanford coming on the Pac-12 Network for Saturday. You mentioned West Coast basketball. Let's include San Diego State and the Mountain West, Gonzaga and the West Coast Conference, who are both very good this year. We should be talking more about those teams right now. Deservedly so. San Diego State undefeated. Gonzaga only the one loss and ranked number two in the country right now in the AP poll. The, the West Coast should be talked about a little more right now, rightfully so. It, it should be. And it, it's, well, it's because they come from the non-traditional power leagues, right? I don't think a lot of people give them the respect. Maybe Gonzaga's earned it now. And the consistency that Mark Hughes has been able to develop there with Gonzaga. And to be honest with you, they're both surprises to me that they're where they're at. San Diego State being the last unbeaten team and having just a phenomenal run this year for Brian Dutcher, hey, it's great. Nobody expected him to be where they're at right now. And for Gonzaga, they had so much to replace from a year ago. We knew they'd be good. Were they going to be top five good? I don't know if any people saw that. I don't know if Mark Few saw that. When you lose a couple of first-round draft picks in Rui Hachimura and Brandon Clark, you lose a fifth-year senior point guard in Josh Perkins, and you have to replace that. And he did. And I still don't necessarily believe, at least right now, TJ, they're as good as they were a year ago. I still do believe they were the best team in the country last year. They just didn't win it when they lost to Texas Tech before getting to the Final Four. But this group, the way the program is set up now, Mark Few, year in, year out, is really has this thing rolling when Spokane. Well, and Petrusev uh, at 16 points per game uh, down low. And again, they they are a powerhouse in a smaller conference and will definitely be a top two seed uh, probably coming out of the West Coast Conference. Gonzaga, they play at Santa Clara at the time that we're taping that Roxy and I are talking on Thursday night and we head towards the weekend. Always love the insight. We plug again. He's on his way to the Palouse for Arizona State and Washington State. That should be a good one late night Wednesday night on ESPNU Oregon you get a look at uh, one of the top 10 teams in the country Oregon and Stanford Saturday on the Pac-12 network should be a lot of fun Roxy thank you for the time I know you made time for me here I know you're in the San Francisco Bay Area you're going to have an eyeball on what the 49ers are doing back in this state in Florida uh, down in Miami with what the 49ers and the Chiefs do on Sunday but lots of hoops between now and then my friend I I look forward to seeing you watching you uh, call these games and thank you for spending a little time with me here on the college basketball coast to coast podcast sir EJ, you got it anytime my friend always love the insight there from uh, from roxy bernstein again check him out with arizona state washington state wednesday night pac 12 network game is oregon and stanford uh, that one coming on the weekend with oregon again one of the best teams in the west dana altman's team with peyton pritchard uh, bombing those outside shots we'll see if they do well uh, there at uh, Maples Pavilion against 
the Stanford Cardinal coming on the weekend. A reminder, still to come, Mark Wise with me in a few moments with some analysis on the SEC. Kentucky, their matchup with Vanderbilt, the other SEC action uh, for this week. And Mark's got some uh, some thoughts on some of the other action in the American Conference, etc. It's all part of College Basketball Coast to Coast. And College Basketball Coast to Coast brought to you in part by Play Pick 6 and the Play Pick 6 mobile app available in the Apple Store, the Google Play Store. Go grab Play Pick 6 if you're ready to pick any six games in a given day. And unlike a lot of other prediction games, it crosses over sports with the Play Pick 6 app. So in other words, you can pick college basketball, the NBA in the same day or night, the NHL. If you want to pick the Super Bowl, 49ers and Chiefs like we're talking about, and mix and match college games, NBA games, and NHL games on Sunday, you can do it with the Play Pick 6 mobile app. Absolutely free to sign up. It'll take you a couple of minutes. Free to play. Free, free, free with the Play Pick 6 mobile app. Doesn't cost you anything to sign up and play, and you've got a chance to win a great sports restaurant-themed gift card uh, for the Play Pick 6 grand prizes whenever you get six correct. So show what you know. Get out of the armchair. Show your prognostication skills. I was rattling off all the Wednesday night games. There's like 40 or 50 games on certain weeknights. Tuesday night, weeknight, Wednesday night, weeknight. Saturday, there's about 50 college basketball games. Again, mix them and match them with the Play Pick 6 mobile app with the NBA games, the NHL games, or even the Super Bowl that's upcoming. We urge you, go find the app. You can go to playpick6.com to find out more about the app itself, how to play the game, etc. But download the app. Everything is self-explanatory in the Apple Store, in the Google Play Store. Sign up, play for free, and find out what you know with Play Pick 6. Always love the insight. Always love the wisdom, the traveling man. It's SEC basketball for him during the week. American Conference on the weekend on the ESPN family of networks. He will be working Kentucky and Vanderbilt at, oh, by the way, Rupp Arena coming Wednesday night on the SEC Network. He is the coach. Mark Wise back with me, the former Purdue and South Florida assistant, been with me for a lot of years, still keeps taking my phone call, taking my text message. All right, so uh, you're traveling midweek SEC here. What a win for Kentucky in the SEC Big uh, Big 12 Challenge going to Texas Tech, getting the victory in Lubbock, pulling it out in overtime, actually. Mark, good to have you. Uh, and that's kind of the backdrop for the game that you're going to have midweek in Nashville with the Wildcats returning to SEC play. TJ, I think it's a good point you make. Um, you know, Kentucky, everybody wanted to make a, a big deal about how rabid the arena was at Texas Tech, and it was. It was a great atmosphere. But that's what the Blue Bloods get every night when they go on the road, especially in the SEC. So from that standpoint, if there was a team – in the league that could handle that kind of environment, it is the Kentucky program. It is the John Calipari-led team. And one of the things that we're going to do on the broadcast uh, Wednesday night is we're going to put up a formula for what it takes uh, to make a run in March, and we're going to start checking some boxes off whether or not Kentucky is such a team. And you have that. You say that to me every year for the audience hearing us here. I think I know two or three of these. I, you don't have to give me all of them, but give me two, maybe maybe one or two of the key ones that you say has to be ingredients in the pot here to do damage in March. Well, one is you have to have pro talent in Kentucky year in, year out. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have NBA talent, but you have to have pro talent. And everybody talks to me about that and says, well, what about Butler? 
The last time I checked, when they played in back-to-back titles, title games, I should say, uh, Gordon Hayward t- turned out to be a pretty good pro. <laughs> right. So from that standpoint, you must have pro talent. Uh, Dayton, I think, fits the mode in that they check off the first box because Obi Toppin is as good as anybody in the country right now. So that's box number one. And then we're going to go to some things, and I've added one, but you're going to have to watch the broadcast to see the rest of it. I like that. Uh, he always circles around to these different things, including one of them. We I don't you know want to steal the thunder, but you talk about this, and it, it's very true. You have to have good fortune somewhere along the way, especially in March, whether it's a, it's a bounce of the ball, a key call. Sometimes there is no a question. close game that is going to come down to something quirky. The opponent screwed something up. Something happens uh, that helps you along the way. It's very rare that you win decisively over and over and over again in March. In a six-game stretch, there's no question about it. Uh, yes, I call it, and it's the very last one on my list, that somewhere along the way, the basketball gods have to smile on you. Well, and you don't need to go any further back than Virginia a year ago in terms of how many breaks they caught, yep. not in one game or two games, but in three consecutive games. So I can go back to Florida and their back-to-back title teams. I can give you the exact moment that they caught big-time breaks. It had nothing to do with what they did. It just at that particular point in time, the basketball gods smiled on them. Oh, I mean, put it this way, uh, North Carolina, as an example, we'll just make this one, against Kentucky in the regional final game in Memphis. Kentucky hits the last-second shot that I believe put them up one. It either tied it or put them up one. Broken play at the other end, and Luke May, who's now going to be in North Carolina lore for a long time, helping them win that title, uh, a very workmanlike small forward on the broken play picks up kind of a loose ball and just buries a 15 footer basically at the buzzer in the final half right. second that i mean it was not a my point not a diagram situation not something you plan for it's just kind of the break the ball comes to him and he hits the shot you got to make the shot but it's the break that kept them alive they go on to win the national championship the next weekend uh we were there in glendale arizona uh, as they cut the nets down uh winning the national title against gonzaga so sometimes you just got to catch that break whatever it is a missed free throw that opens the door for you, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, uh, one more just as a general comment. So the end of the Kentucky-Texas Tech game, uh, in both right. instances, the end of regulation and the end of overtime, it, it drove me out of my mind. I went to social media and put it out there and tagged you. I saw Kentucky in a tie game shoot the ball with six and a half seconds left. I know it was an open look, right. but there's six and a half right. seconds left in a tie game. I saw Texas Tech out of a timeout with 12 seconds left in overtime in a tie game go to the rim and end up uh, missing the shot, losing the ball. Actually, I think Hagen's uh, ended up taking it from the Texas Tech player. Right. They go to the other end right. and win the game. All right, put your coaching hat on for me. Yeah. I, I, you've taught me this. Others have taught me. You should not be shooting in a tie game with more than like three seconds left just for what we're talking about. Don't give the other team a chance to beat you. Yeah, the first one with the Kentucky one, I thought that was a fine line. I mean, you're not going to get a more open look inside of six seconds. I thought the more egregious one was the Texas Tech one because it came about way too early. And as you mentioned, it it gives your opponent a a real chance to win at the other other end. So, 
Yeah, timing is one thing. Uh, whether or not you're wide, wide open is another. Is the ball in the right player's hands at the end? Is it the wrong guy shooting? Because if it's the wrong guy shooting, I don't care how open he is. No doubt. So there are a lot of factors that go into that. All right. So for Kentucky, again, we're spending a lot of time on them, but just real quick, you mentioned, you know, maybe not the superstar player, but hey, Ashton Hagens, uh, not just distributing right. the ball, but an excellent defender. And I know you're going to talk a lot about him in the, in the pregame and the buildup and the, in the first half of the game. They should win decisively, uh, with Vanderbilt. There's no sugarcoating this, but Hagens is fun to watch at doing the other things besides just scoring all the time. Well, you know, oddly enough, this is not as young a Kentucky team as Cal has had in a lot of years. Uh, Hagens is a sophomore and, and is playing much more mature than his years. He kind of he's one of those TJ, what do you need guys? Because if you need 15, 20, he, he might get you that. If you need seven or eight rebounds, he'll get you that. If you need eight assists, he'll get you that. And if you need five or more steals in a game, he's also capable of, of doing that. I think he's the best defensive player in the Southeastern Conference. His shooting is a little streaky at times, uh, but in terms of just what he gives you at the point guard play, and and now that Emmanuel quickly is playing like he's playing, so you've got quickly on one side, on one wing, and you've got Tyrese Maxey, who everybody has in the first round, on the other side. I mean, they come at you with some firepower, Nick Richards is by far playing the best basketball of his career. So no different than we've seen in a lot of years from Kentucky and Coach Cal. They get better as the year goes on, and I see that uh, happening month to month. Love the insight of Mark Wise. Follow him at MW Hoops. Uh, for his insight, he always gives you great uh, stuff coming off the weekend and then and then looks ahead midweek as well. Here with us on College Basketball Coast to Coast, Mark is calling the Kentucky-Vanderbilt game on the SEC Network Wednesday night. Depending on when you're hearing us with the podcast out for Tuesday, Tennessee hosting Texas A&M in the SEC Tuesday night in Knoxville. Gators, Florida Gators hosting Mississippi State Bulldogs Tuesday night as well. Suddenly the Gators smarting from two losses to LSU and then Baylor put it on them, especially in the second half. Can they rebound? And then Auburn also at Ole Miss on Tuesday. You're pointing also to another Wednesday night game, which is Alabama and LSU. Speaking of LSU, you had Alabama last week. This one will be a fun one in Baton Rouge right after you get started at 6.30 Eastern time at Rupp. Alabama at LSU, 6 local time, 7 Eastern time in Baton Rouge. Mark Wise, real quick. Yeah, a couple of things. First on LSU, you know, some coaches just seem to uh, rub the magic wand at times, and I think that's what Will Wade is doing at LSU. They haven't lost in the month of January, and their last six league games, they have won by a total, or their last six games, period, because I have have to include the Texas win in the Big 12 Challenge. Right. The last six games that they've won, they have won by a total of 15 points. So they are living right. It is indeed a huge week, I think, for Alabama. I know Lenardi has them as the second team out right now from the tournament. They're at LSU uh, midweek, and then they host Arkansas on the weekend. So this is a big, big weekend for Kyra Lewis Jr., John Petty, the job that Nate Oates has done in his first year at Alabama. 
Alabama currently in the most recent net rankings that the NCAA releases. And again, they pay the most attention probably to that. They pay attention to the other metrics too. But the selection committee looking, Alabama 42 right now. Uh, actually, 41. Up a spot from 42 last week in the net. Got to improve that. And they could, uh, as you mentioned, with these uh, with these games this week, including starting with LSU on the midweek. Uh, we will find out. Uh, and you mentioned the breaks. I mean, look at that LSU-Florida game a week ago in Baton Rouge, inbound play under the Florida basket right. with half a second left. Florida trying to tie it and force overtime. LSU lets the Florida player get wide open off the screen. The break is he didn't get the shot off in time. He was a tenth of a second or so late before the red light's on and the horn is on. A fingernail. The, so a those fingernail. are breaks. That game doesn't go to overtime. It's game over. LSU wins. So sometimes you need... Uh, some of that. All right, I want to look ahead to the American Athletic Conference, which again, uh, for the audience across the country, wherever you're hearing us on college basketball coast to coast, just to refresh, the conference has been in place for a little while now, but this is Memphis, Cincinnati, Houston, Wichita State now part of the league uh, as well. Uh, interesting uh, that you have worked a couple of Wichita State games. You had them last week. How strong? Uh, right now, 31 in the net. How strong at 17-3 and three does Wichita State look to you, Mark Wise? Well, they've hung their hat on the defensive end. They're a deep team. Their problem is they have gone into a real funk offensively in terms of their shooting. Going into the weekend game against UCF, now they played better offensively because I think they had the right approach with inside out and getting inside touches to Echenique early. But going into the weekend, they were dead last in field goal percentage defense in the conference. And you know where I'm coming from, TJ. Mm -hmm. You can talk to me all you want about defending and rebounding, defending and rebounding, but you have got to score. And for it's interesting, in the American Conference, it's almost like the defenses are significantly better than the offenses, with the exception of SMU. And I point to this. Six teams in the Ken Palm defensive efficiency rankings are in the top 50 in the American Conference. Six. Mm. but only two on the offensive end. And oddly enough, SMU's one. Oddly enough, Memphis is the other one because of how they attack the offensive glass, and they're in a real tailspin. I I thought we weren't going to bring up my alma mater giving (laughs) up the last 15 points of the game last Saturday at home to SMU to blow a double-digit lead in the final four minutes in a game they really needed, and SMU got it and won it. And again, in American Conference play, if you're hearing us on Tuesday, SMU gets rewarded by beating Memphis at Memphis on the weekend. Oh, go play Cincinnati Tuesday night yeah, uh, in the Fifth game. Third Arena. So keep an eye on that. Wednesday night in the preview mode here, Houston, the top team in the conference at East Carolina, also, Memphis trying to rebound at UCF. You will have UCF-USF in American Conference play on uh, on the ESPN family of networks on ESPNU on Saturday. So uh, looking ahead also to Saturday, though, that is Houston at Cincinnati. So Cincinnati hosting SMU midweek, Houston Saturday, Wichita State at Tulsa, also Mark Wise in American Conference play. Tulsa already whacked Memphis at home. Might they have something yep. for the Shockers Saturday night? Well, Tulsa is the real surprise. Um, they're tied atop the conference standings with Houston right now. They already um, have a win over Houston. Uh, I had that game where they scored the last seven points of that game to win by two. Um, they, they're getting some outstanding production. Brandon Rochelle, the transfer from LSU, gives them kind of a 
power wing presence. Jeremiah Horn, Jeremiah Horn is, mm-hmm. is shooting the ball significantly well as a stretch four guy. Martin Zikbanu is coming off a career high in that overtime win against UConn. So Frank Hayes mixes up that matchup zone. They keep people off balance on the offensive end. And as a result, uh, they're, right now, they are the surprise in this conference. All right, so just keeping an eye on these teams. You know, I'm, I'm also a fan of looking um, at, at the RPI. And right now in the RPI conference rankings, the American Conference is down the list. American Athletic Conference now seventh uh, in the overall conference RPI Houston, the highest-ranked team. And again, the RPI only measures your strength of schedule. It doesn't take into account necessarily who won where. The net ranking that's new takes into account better wins on the road and on the neutral floor with a different metric. But I'm just looking at that. I don't know that the American has more than three teams that are going to end up being worthy. Whatever that mix is of Houston, Tulsa, Wichita State, SMU, Cincinnati, Memphis, it's probably three teams, Mark, at the end of the finish line. Yeah, I think there's a chance for four if there's the right separation. Uh, the the big mystery team to me right now is Cincinnati um, in terms of, of how they're playing one night to the next. and They've made the move of putting Jaron Cumberland at the point, and that seems to be playing dividends. He's played much better, and, and I'm a big believer, big believer that you're only as good as your best player, so they need him to be good night in and night out. Big opportunity for the Bearcats this week, no question about it. Yep, Houston again is the game Saturday. Again, depending on when you're hearing us, you may already know the result. They host SMU Tuesday night, midweek, does Cincinnati. And then Cincinnati-Houston, 6 Eastern time in American Conference action coming up. I know you got a role to go to Lexington. Hey, say this for the audience because you get to be in a lot of the great venues. I've had the privilege to be around them. I've never been in Rupp Arena, much less to a Kentucky <laughs> game. What is that like to be in that atmosphere, to call a game for the audience across the country? That's a cathedral of college basketball. What's it like, Mark Wise? Well, if you tell people you're going to a – venue where you only need one word to describe <laughs> the venue doesn't that say enough right like, like if you're going to fog everybody yep. knows what you're talking about if everybody if you say the garden everybody knows where you're talking about well the same is true with rup in terms of rup arena so it's cavernous it's big it's loud it's a fan base you know unlike many others uh, that is just so rabid with their you know, it's a state that doesn't have a pro sport since the Kentucky Colonels left the ABA way back when. <laughs> now I'm dating both of them. Yep, yep. Um, so they have always gravitated to basketball. It's the thing that the state is most passionate about. And I'm talking about from Murray State to Western Kentucky to Louisville to the University of Kentucky. Uh, it's a basketball crazed state. And really the, the center of it is Rupp Arena. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I was thinking when you said this, Cameron, obviously, for Duke, Lambo. If you just say Lambo, everybody knows. If you say those names, yes, people know where you're talking about uh, to do a game. And Rupp is like that for Rupp Arena. Again, he's on the call on the SEC Network, Kentucky and Vanderbilt. When we talk again, the calendar flips to February. That means we're one month closer to March. Mark, yep. why? Loving that. Yeah, we're starting the uh, the, the turn for the uh, stretch run is where we're approaching. Yeah, no doubt about that. Have a blast on the call coming up. 
of Kentucky Vanderbilt on the weekend. The world on I-4 in the American Conference is UCF and USF. We, we went over some other great American action, too, for this weekend. We love talking college hoops coast-to-coast with Mark Wise. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, TJ. And there we go. That'll do it. Look forward to hearing Mark on the call midweek with Kentucky and Vanderbilt. You may be hearing us after that game and already know how badly the Wildcats blistered Vandy that is very shorthanded with injuries. Jerry Stackhouse's first season leading scorer is injured. Uh, and unable to play here in the SEC schedule. So Kentucky should have rolled in that game if you're hearing us after the fact. Again, we're kind of in the preview mode before Tuesday and Wednesday every week on this podcast. Uh, We say thank you also to Roxy Bernstein, who's calling Arizona State Wazoo Wednesday night Pac-12 action coming uh, there uh, in the West Coast. Roxy also working Oregon-Stanford on the weekend. Mark will be on the call. USF-UCF in the American Conference uh, showdown. Again, the American with some very interesting games on Saturday for sure with Wichita State at Tulsa. We already told you earlier in the podcast I was lamenting Tulsa whacking my Memphis Tigers. Can they can they upend Wichita State? I don't think they're beating Wichita State by 40. But can they upend Wichita State? And what about that Houston-Cincinnati matchup as well on Saturday in the American Conference? We did not talk a lot about the Big Ten, where Iowa again near the top, Illinois near the top, Michigan State got a big win over Minnesota this past weekend. We'll see what happens in the Big Ten. You've got the Big East, you've got the Big 12, uh, the SEC, the American, the Pac 12, uh, you name it. Mountain West has unbeaten San Diego State that's in it. We try to keep track of all of it here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Reminder, subscribe to this podcast, however you found it. Social media link through Spreaker.com, uh, through uh, any any of our different outlets. Subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcast. Come find the podcast and subscribe. It comes all the, all the way to you automatically through your phone, through your handheld device, if you subscribe on one of those outlets. So wherever you get your podcast, go to iTunes, go to Spotify, go to Google Podcast, download uh, and subscribe college basketball coast to coast and it will come automatically to you as we love to preview during the week we look ahead to the weekend as well that's coming for the month of march whenever the ncaa tournament games are going on recap mode off the weekend preview mode midweek looking forward to it with the show and the podcast that'll do it for this edition of the nation's college basketball show and podcast as always you can follow us at cbb coast to coast on social media at cbb coast and the number two coast on social media. Thanks to Roxy Bernstein and Mark Wise for being with me. Enjoy the hoops midweek. And as we head towards the weekend, I'm TJ Reeves. It's college basketball, coast to coast.